We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Inside the Huddle. Uh, it's our wrap-up show for the IU's win over Florida International uh, last Saturday. We're going to go over and put a bow on this game. Indiana is now 2-0 and on the season. Uh, it wasn't the prettiest two wins, but it's two wins nonetheless, and it was a very exciting uh, 36-22 win on Saturday night at Memorial Stadium. Uh, we're welcoming any co-host, TJ Inman. Uh, TJ, how are you tonight? I'm doing very well, Sammy. Yeah, it's uh, it's very good to to be covering a two and zero football team. It's it's a lot better than a lot better than covering an zero and two team. I know that the two wins have not been incredibly impressive, but I thought there was a lot of growth between week one and week two, um, and that's something you're looking for is is a, a positive trending team. Uh, we don't know if that's going to continue on week three, but I feel a lot better about things tonight than I did last Monday. Uh, definitely, and uh, you know, uh, being Tuna Florida International, uh, despite what some people have uh, been saying in their articles, uh, they are a quality team. They knocked off UCF in their opener. Uh, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on uh, out on what they do the rest of the year. Um, but they were they're, they're no slouch. Uh, maybe if you'd never heard of them, uh, that's on you. You don't really follow college football. But uh, Florida International was a quality opponent. Uh, Indiana's defense is up to the task. Uh, they forced three turnovers, uh, highlighted by that pick six by Jameel Cook Jr. Uh, it was a real exciting game. It was nice to see the defense, uh, you know, back up some talk and, and take a little pride in what they do. Uh, they pressed the ball really well. Uh, they should welcome back uh, T. Gray Scales uh, next week. Uh, but, TJ, what did you see was the difference in the defense this week as opposed to week one? Well, I think the first thing uh, that jumped out right away was the interior linemen um, having Darius Latham and Ralph Green back. They paired with uh, Darius Rainer and Nate Hoff to form a, a pretty good foursome um, on the middle of that defensive line. I thought that they did a much better job of getting penetration and disruption into the opposition backfield. Uh, they only got two sacks and two tackles for loss, um, but they were pressuring the quarterback quite a bit and did a much better job against run plays. While they weren't the, the inside zone type stuff we saw against SIU, um, they did a much better job getting in the backfield against Alex Magoo and against Gardner and breaking things up before they really got to the second level of defense. And I thought that those those guys, uh, Ralph Green and Darius Latham, were both active, maybe Latham a couple of times to the point of being a little bit too eager to go. He had a couple of offside penalties that uh, – that hurt, but for the most part, I think that those having those two guys back really made a difference 
and I think that the just general aggression level of the defense was was much improved, and that's something that uh, was talked about throughout the week by Kevin Wilson and by the players and the defensive staff. You know, they all talked about maybe simplifying things a little bit on defense and just getting more aggressive about the way that they went about things. Uh, and I think you saw that with guys getting in the backfield, not worried so much about maybe giving up uh, giving up a big play and staying back. I, I think there are still some definite concerns about tackling issues, uh, some definite concerns about coverage in the secondary as we head to, to a game against an explosive passing attack. But um, those are a couple of the things that really stood out to me uh, just the big plays that they got. You mentioned the play from Jameel Cook, but there are also uh, a couple of forced fumbles that uh, Nick Mangieri and Marcus Oliver were big parts of. Marcus Oliver continues to have a really, really good season. He's had two fantastic games. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how he meshes with uh, Tigre Scales. They could be a really good combo. But um, that, the big plays is something we're not used to seeing. I know that I was kind of in disbelief um, when the Indiana defense, you mentioned it as the turning point. There's no doubt about it. The Indiana defense coming up huge with that uh, that forced turnover that came after Dawson Fletcher, um, the redshirt junior linebacker, was able to tip away a pass. That was a big play. Two plays later, Jameel Cook comes up with it after Marcus Oliver pressures Magoo. Um and then he, he turns it into points to put the game away for IU. So uh, the big plays are something that this defense is going to have to do more of because they are going to give up yards. I mean, that's, that's, that's going to happen. Um, most defenses in college football do. It's just a matter of making big plays, and instead of giving up touchdowns, maybe turning those into field goals by getting a sack or you know preventing touchdowns by getting turnovers once a team gets into the red zone. So... Uh, good growth from the defense, I thought. They do need to, to improve upon a lot of things. Overall, you have to be pleased with the way it went from week one to week two. Yeah, that that play by Dawson Fletcher, uh, it, it looked like I think the tight end was open, and then Fletcher just stuck his hand out of nowhere and just grazed yeah. the ball to knock it away. And you're right, that set up the uh, pick six. Uh, we're also going to uh, welcome in Nick Holmes. He's our other writer for Hoosier Huddle. Um, in on the line from Bedford. Uh, Nick, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm good. I'm glad I can be on tonight. Yeah. Uh, well, it's great to have the uh, the trio back. So it, it's it's nice. Even though we, uh, you know, some people are saying this is the worst uh, 2-0 football team in uh, college football. They're still 2-0. Uh, it was, uh, we're trending, they're trending in the right direction. Uh, the atmosphere around, uh, you know, in the press conferences and around the players, uh, was so much better than week one uh, where they were disappointed in their performance. Uh, but, TJ, uh, to go back to the turnovers and, and the defense flying around, uh, they scored 20 points off of opponents' turnovers, uh, which means they're, you know, they scored two touchdowns and a field goal, but they missed the extra point. Or Actually, they scored three touchdowns then um, off of turnovers, yep. and they missed, missed the extra point. I'm sorry, my math is all off. Uh, there, there's a reason I'm not a, a math teacher. Uh, but anyway, uh, they scored three touchdowns. They took advantage of it, uh, and that's something uh, IU needs to, to do, uh, especially going forward into next week against a powerful offense. Uh, Nick, 
what did you see uh, that was different from the, the offense and the defense uh, from week one uh, in week two? Uh, defensively, the, the biggest thing that stuck out to me when I looked at the stack card after the game, 11 deflections. Uh, you pointed this out today, TJ, in your piece. The big guys up front, Latham and uh, Green, both had a couple deflections. Um, Richard Fant passed uh, pass interferences, but he had uh, four deflections as well. And I also mm-hmm. like to see um, – I also like that Sudfeld was able to – you know, distribute the ball pretty evenly among eight guys. And I, I also really like um, the multiple offensive schemes that we saw. We saw some two tight ends set like we saw last week, but then we also saw them split out. So you had a you had a four wide, re- four wide receiver set uh, part of the game. So I really just like the variety that we saw on offense and, and the way that Sudfeld was, you know, it wasn't his most accurate game. No, it wasn't his best game. But he was able to get the get the ball to guys, and they made plays once they once they caught it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, Sudfeld wasn't didn't have his most accurate game, but he got the job done. And that's a game. You know, usually uh, when the quarterback doesn't play well, Indiana usually loses. Uh, but they leaned on the running game a little bit. Uh, Jordan Howard had a had a, another terrific game. Uh, Divine Redding had a nice game as well. Uh, and it was a game where IU moved the ball between the 20s but got bogged down a little bit uh, in the red zone, and that's another area they're going to have to fix uh, going into next week. Um, another area of concern uh, that concerned me on the game uh, was kicking. Uh, Oaks was great on kickoffs. He knocked five out of the end zone, and the coverage when they did take it out uh, was fantastic. Um, but he did miss a field goal. It was a 44-yard field goal. Uh, the wind was uh, probably a little tricky down there. Uh, when I was down for pregame, it was swirling around a little bit, uh, and he missed an extra point. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. He was a little inconsistent as a freshman last year, uh, but still very good, still has a big leg. And with uh, Aaron Del Grasso getting back from injury, there might be a little competition there. Uh, Wilson hinted at a kicker. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, it's it's a nice win for IU uh, to go 2-0. and It's the first time since uh, 2012 that they're 2-0. and uh, They're looking to go 3-0 and now for the first time since uh, 2010. Uh, so these, you know, it's progress. And, and people might not see progress uh, in terms of uh, who, who they beat or or uh, the, the score at the end of the game. But 2-0 and is progress, and, and progress is progress. Does anything else, uh, TJ, stand out for you before we move on uh, to the next thing? Yeah, I, I, you know, I thought that the play calling in some areas was very good. Nick mentioned the multiple sets. I thought that they got creative with the way that they used the tight ends. I enjoyed seeing that. We saw Michael Cooper get open down the seam a couple of times. That's good. Uh, utilizing the tight ends that they have, I think, is really important. We talked about it in the preseason. It was good to see it. Um but I, I was a little bit confused, and I'll, I'll get your guys' opinion on this. Uh, the third down play calling in kind of a third to medium to third to long area, like a third and six to a third and nine, third and ten area, uh, they multiple times handed the ball off on inside draws or zone read plays. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the thought process behind that was. I know that Sudfeld was not – 100% on point with his passing, but, uh, you know, it's senior quarterback that I I know they have a lot of trust in, 
um, it almost seemed at times that they were approaching it as if they had the passing game from last year uh, and just didn't trust them to take care of the ball on third and six and instead just decided to run the ball. I love the running game, and I, I love leaning on it, but I, I thought that that was uh, a bit too conservative on, I don't know, four or five occasions on third and one. What did you guys think about that? What Do you think that that's something we're going to continue to see uh, in close games? Well, TJ, um, I, I watched – go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I, at the press conference the other night, Coach Wilson mentioned that he had spent a lot more time with the defense this past week, and it almost it almost seemed like maybe maybe he wasn't entirely entirely as involved in the play calling during the game this week as he had been maybe in weeks and seasons past. Um, I know that he's always had somewhat input. He's never given up play calling. I think a hundred percent. He's always had a little bit of input, and I think maybe there was just you know maybe it's they were being a little bit more conservative, like you're saying, just trying to get the points. Um, I don't know. I was wondering that myself uh, at times, too. So, yeah, it's really hard to say. Well, from from I watched the, the first half uh, from Saturday over again on TV, and, and uh, Chuck Long the, was the um, analyst on there. And he's saying Florida International was disguising their blitzes very well, so maybe that confused Sudfeld a little bit in terms of uh, play call and, and running into that blitz in the teeth of the defense. Uh, there was one uh, fourth fourth and five or fourth and three there um, where IU had them drawn off sides. Uh, there was no contact, though. Um, and then the referee curses at Wilson, which he <laughs> apologized to uh, later. I don't know if people on TV saw it. I, it wasn't, I didn't hear anything when I watched it over again, but you certainly heard it in the stadium and in the press box. Um, the officiating crew apologized uh, to IU officials uh, today, uh, and, and it was the the, the f bomb came from the referee and not, and not from Wilson. So he wanted to clear that up. But you know the play calling it, it was conservative. Uh, I don't know if they if it was something they saw in the defense, uh, maybe something they could exploit, or so, or they were hiding their blitzes that well. Uh, but it's something that maybe. They don't want to tip their hand to Western Kentucky. Uh, it's games where like third and eight, third and uh, seven are going to be big plays next week, especially against uh, that kind of offense. So that's my thinking on there. Uh, other than that, it was a very solid performance from IU. Um, Howard, Redding, Sudfeld played well. Uh, it was nice to see the ball distribution. Uh, Michael Cooper, the tight end. I know we haven't talked about the tight ends a lot um, during the season, but he had three catches, I think, for 66 yards, and he made some big plays uh, in t- to get big chunk yards. Uh, Mitchell Page had an awesome spin move uh, to, to get into the end zone for his first touchdown. Uh, so going forward, uh, Nick, we'll go with you first. Going forward, what does IU need to improve upon uh, going into next week? Uh, I've been kind of alluding to it all all summer, and, you know, it looked a lot better in the second half this last weekend, but getting pressure on the quarterback, getting in his face, making him uncomfortable, um, like you guys mentioned, uh, Oliver got to Magoo, forced him into a bad throw, turns into six points for IU. So we need a lot more of that. Brandon Dowdy is not very mobile. He's a pretty stationary guy. They're now without their top running back. So there's a pretty good chance they're going to throw it at least – 45 to 50 times this game. So you know what's coming. You just got to pin your ears back and uh, get some pressure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, Brandon Dowdy. I, when TJ and I watched him against Vanderbilt, uh, he was kind of statue back there and had trouble when when they got pressure. TJ, um, in your view, what what are some of the other things that IU needs to do to to come out victorious next week? Yeah, uh, before I get to that, I do want to mention one positive we haven't talked about yet that I, I just don't want to take for granted the, the continued good play of the offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we talk about the running game success and. Uh, Sudfeld's pocket was kept clean as well. Uh, the offensive line, we knew it was going to be good. It has been. But, uh, you know, still want to mention that as something that continue, and we'll talk more about that in the Western Kentucky preview as a, an area that IU should work to, to really exploit. But um, things to improve, I think the tackling in the secondary is going to be the big one for me. Uh, I know that these are young guys, and I, I actually do think that there was a lot of growth between week one and week two. It's amazing how many freshmen and redshirt freshmen you see on the field in that secondary that that they're able to even just understand the game plan and all that as young as they all are without a veteran presence on the field. But um, I, I thought that they did grow some, but you did see a couple of blown coverages. Uh, you saw some very poor tackling against Thomas Owens, two different guys that led to the 75-yard touchdown. You saw a really just telegraphed uh, cornerback blitz by Ben Bach that I'm not blaming Bach because that was the play call, I imagine. Um, just, I mean, you saw it the whole way, and that was Thomas Owens' first touchdown. That Alex Magoo just threw it to him. He was open, and a missed tackle led to the touchdown. Um, so I think the, the tackling in the secondary um, really needs to get better because against Western Kentucky, one of the things that they are going to do is hit receivers, try to get them in space, and if they're in space, the secondary guys are going to have to make one-on-one tackles, and if they totally whiff or just try to make arm tackles and big receivers or even medium-sized receivers just bounce off of that and keep going, that's going to lead to big plays. Um I mean, when you're out there on an island as a secondary player, you've got to be able to at least hold guys up so that other players can come aid you in that tackle. IU does not have the biggest secondary players, and like we've said, they're young. They're not as physically mature as some of the wide receivers they're going against. But, you know, use the sideline as an extra defender to force them out of bounds or just get in their way to hold them up so that an additional player can come help you out. I mean, it's they cannot continue to give up uh, big receiving plays because they're unable to bring down the receiver. Overall, I thought the coverage against FIU was was pretty good. Um, like you said, multiple pass breakups by a lot of different guys, including Richard Fant, that was really good with four different pass breakups. So I thought the coverage was good, but the tackling after the guys were able to haul in good on-target passes uh, that was not so good. So that's my biggest area to work on, and then just continuing to to get more and more pressure on the quarterback. Uh, just you know, two sacks is fine, but I think you are targeting a few more than that uh, against Western Kentucky, who um, does not have the strongest offensive line that IU is going to face. FIU has a pretty strong one, and Indiana was able to get pressure. I'd like to see more of that against Western Kentucky. Yeah, and the reason they didn't get more sacks is because Magoo was very good on his feet and very quick, where when yes. IU sent pressure and collapsed the pocket, he was able to run forward and gain some positive yards 
Um, about the tackling, Brandon Dowdy is going to complete some passes. He's a great quarterback. They have some really good receivers. He's going to complete some passes. Don't let them get those yards after t- after contact. Um, so that's that's huge, TJ. I agree with you on that. Um, we're going to start wrapping this up real quick. Um, you know, we're two and zero. It's where IU wanted to be going into this game. It's a game we've had circled uh, basically since the schedule came out uh, that this is a game mm-hmm. that IU needs to have to go to a bowl game. Uh, you know, heading into uh, Western Kentucky, they're a tough, tough team. Uh, they're receiving votes uh, this week at both polls. So, you know, I use right where where people want, or right where they want it to be. And um, if that's not good enough for some people, uh, so be it. Uh, if if it is, you know, that that's what it is. Um, another point I want to touch upon uh, before wrapping the show up is fan is is fan support uh, and. Um, the fans who stayed, they were loud last week. The fans who, at the beginning of the game, I know I, I mentioned it to Nick, that this was a loud crowd. Uh, the student section was probably half full, uh, and they were loud to start off with. And then at halftime, everybody disappeared, uh, whether it was too chilly for them or too late uh, is anybody's guess. But I think it's time for IU to get rid of the pass outs and get people uh, to stay for the second half because those who left did miss a heck of a second half. Yeah, uh, the third right, quarter was uh, another really good performance, and I, I think that is something Nick mentioned in his uh, his article that that's the second straight time this season that the Hoosiers have shut out a team in the third quarter. So uh, whether that's just pure coincidence or um, you know if the coaching staff is making some good adjustments in that third quarter or in the in halftime that is uh, allowing some strong defensive third quarters, and it, it was a a good second half. Overall, defensively, I know they gave up quite a few yards uh, in the last, like, six or seven minutes. I think it was 150 or 175 yards of total offense uh, given up in the final seven minutes. But some of that was just desperation attempts by FIU and, um, you know, some penalties that I didn't necessarily agree with the calls but uh, that aided their, their drives. But, yeah, I, I think that the, the support – on TV, um, as a like you said, it was a pretty loud crowd. It's hard to tell because you never know the the volumes and where they have the microphones set up, and uh, it's it's really hard to tell how loud a crowd is based on TV because and you could go Spinal Tap and turn it up to eleven, and it could sound really loud when it's hardly anybody in the in the stands. But um, just from a visual standpoint it's noticeable on TV that it is a lighter crowd in the second half than it is in the, in the first half. Um, whether that's the pass outs, whether that's people getting bored, whether that is the weather, I, I don't know. Um, it's probably a combination of all of the above. And I think that anything IU could do to, to provide somewhat of a better atmosphere for their football team uh, which could help them win, which could then help the atmosphere improve for the next week. And, you know, it goes on and on, um, kind of a self-compounding issue that I think anything the administration could do is something they should pursue. Yeah, and and uh, maybe they don't have control over this, 
But I think halftime is 20 minutes. Uh, that's a long halftime. Uh, I know it's probably the TV guys who are you know, sitting yeah. there in their you know, gold thrones who are counting their money uh, who make it 20 minutes. But the 20-minute halftime is a long time to sit there, especially in the cold weather. Uh, the band actually had a decent show uh, and had fireworks. So, you know, it, of course. It's 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 just you know disappointing when you watch it on TV and don't see uh, fans in the stands and you see the TV crews scrambling for for different shots to try and keep uh, the empty stands out. Yeah. Uh, Nick, Nick, final final thoughts on on this week and uh, we'll get into next week on Wednesday. Nick, are you still there? TJ, I think we lost Nick. No, I'm back. Sorry about that. Uh, all right, Nick, uh, what are your final thoughts uh, going into next week? Well, you know, like you mentioned early on, um, some people aren't, I guess, impressed with some of the competition that we've played at this point, but we are 2-0. and um, They've won both of the games, and we these were two of the games that we, we had circled. If we're going to go bowling, we had to win these two games. They indeed did that. Were they impressive performances? Not, not really, especially week one, but – you know, this week, week three against Western Kentucky, like you mentioned, the fans need to come out. It's a 4 o'clock game. It's going to be an exciting game, um, especially if you like points. I'd imagine there might be a few points on the scoreboard. Hopefully not. Uh, I would like IU to hold them to about two touchdowns, but we'll see. So, I mean, you know, it's it's been a long time uh, since IU football has had something to be excited about. So let's just go out and support them and uh, see where this team takes us. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's two and zero. It's been a it's been a couple of years since they've been two and zero, and have looked, you know, like they actually could go to a bowl game. Uh, TJ, your final thoughts on on FIU, and uh, you know, we'll talk about Western Kentucky on uh, mm-hmm. on Wednesday. But your final thoughts on FIU? Well, I I know that uh, there are aspects of the Florida International game that I was not particularly happy with. Um, we've talked about those. I think the biggest one's probably the red zone, uh, red zone conversions. I think that Indiana could have put that game away much earlier than they ended up doing. But good, I think that the defense was able to um, was able to make some plays themselves. They did not need the offense to have an awesome game for IU to win. And I think that that can be a confidence builder for this defense. It's such a young group that 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 could be a really good thing for their growth. Um, as far as FIU is concerned, I, I understand that they are not a great team. They might not even be a good team. But I think that at very worst, that is going to be a team that wins six or seven games. Uh, I think that they have two NFL players on their offense. Jonu Smith is going to be in the NFL. And Thomas Owens looks the part of an NFL receiver, and he's played like it these first two weeks of the season. Uh, I mean, I don't. I'm not an NFL scout, but he looks like he had everything you need to be in the NFL to me in a couple of years. So, while not a total complete team, FIU has a had a fast defense, an athletic defense, an aggressive defense that IU was able to move the ball on. Their run defense was supposed to be really good. I think it is, but I think Indiana can run the ball on almost not everybody, but almost everyone they play, and I think they showed that against FIU, um, I, overall, I think it was a win you need to be happy about. 
Um, I'm not going to tell people they have to feel this way, but I think for the most part, there's a a reason to be optimistic about Indiana moving forward. And I don't just mean because they beat FIU and because they beat Southern Illinois. Um, I mean because of the improvement they made between week one and two and because of the improvement I think they still could make with all the young players that are getting a lot of playing time. I think there are a lot, there's a lot of growth that can still occur with this football team. And I've watched a lot of the other Big Ten teams that IU is going to play this year. There's some vulnerability right now out there. Um, Maryland is a mess right now. Rutgers is a complete tire fire at the moment. Uh, they have a lot of talent. That's Don't get nice, me wrong. They do. TJ, that's being, that's being nice to Rutgers since New Jersey is a tire fire. They might be a toxic <laughs> wasteland wrapped in they a might be. fire with tires. Yeah, and I mean, who knows? Who knows what that program is going to look like by the time they come? I mean, they could turn it around and rally around each other through all this criticism, and that could all happen. It could. I'm just – there is reason to be optimistic about some of the teams remaining on Indiana's schedule of IU having a chance to get to that six wins. That's what it's about. It's not about uh, being – the best 2-0 and team or the worst 2-0 and team or whatever. It's about being 2-0. Uh, it's about being 2-0, improving from week to week, and giving your chance or giving yourself a chance to get to a bowl game. And as of now, Indiana has done that. So hopefully they can do it week three. We'll have coverage about it, uh, about that game all week. And we will have the preview podcast up later in the week. So we will be more than ready for that game come Saturday. Yeah, thanks, guys, for jumping on on the Monday evening. I know it's not our usual time, but uh, we appreciate it. Uh, a few notes before we get uh, out of here. T-Gray Scales will be back on Saturday. Uh, a few injury notes from uh, the press conference today. Dom Booth is out with an undisclosed injury. Uh, Wilson just said he's unable to go, um, to, but it doesn't require surgery. Uh, Chase Dutra, Wilson said, was close. Um but was really vague on it. We have the full injury update on HoosierHuddle.com. Uh, so keep coming back. Uh, we have great content. Uh, Nick and TJ do a great job. We also have a great photo gallery uh, for last week's game from Cam, Cam uh, Koning. And uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. Uh, thanks, and have a pleasant evening. All right. Thanks, Sammy. Have a good week, guys. Thanks. Thanks. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.